This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Radio Network. I am Mike Casaza. Um, not on the lamb. There are sirens in the background. Um, the world was not set ablaze today, but West Virginia did win 66 nothing at Mountaineer Field. Some historical benchmarks for the Neil Brown tenure for West Virginia overall offense, defense, even some special teams. And Chris Anderson, I thank you because you give me a half day of work tomorrow. You've already put up three things you think after the game. I only have to do three things I know in the morning, huh? <laughs> You're welcome. I get, I didn't have uh, the ingenuity to uh, come up with something unique, something my own. Uh, just kind of had to throw it out there because it, it really, and we're, well, I'm sure we'll touch on it, at least a couple of these things during the pod here. But all week long, we, we discussed what do we be able to take from this game? This this is such a, they're so overmatched. This should be such a blowout. What can you really take from it? I don't even know. And in the end, I do feel like there were a couple of things that we could we could take from it. And, and that's kind of what I detailed on the board. But I'd like to really discuss with you more now to get your thoughts as well. Let's uh let's get into it. Um, we knew this game wasn't going to last long. It lasts for all intents and purposes, eleven seconds. Winston route Winston Wright gets a kickoff, pretty much on the ten, like literally on the ten. The numbers they try to keep it away from him, I think, or at least tilt a return against him, and he goes the distance, touchdown. Um, voila, game over. And then the intrigue starts, which you actually kicked off, so to speak, earlier in the morning. Um, a post on our board that Garrett Green was going to get in, and the plan was to put him in the third series. That is indeed what happens. Let's roll up our sleeves here, Chris. Um, the world has takes about this. Uh, they range from, is Jared Dagey the third best quarterback on the team? To, is there a need to have a new starter? And everything in between and outside of that. Um, I have takes. Um, I'm sure you have some perspective as well here, but we did see Green come in, lead a touchdown drive, vanish for the rest of the half, and then much of the third quarter, come back in, and play a limited style because the game was already out of hand. But now we move forward with fewer questions than we had about him as a player and the offense under his direction. Exactly where are we with this now? Uh, still on hold, still in the mix, still in a battle that may or may not be a battle I've I don't know how we want to phrase this but I think you know for this game as far as Daigie goes you know it was it was he had decent numbers 14 to 22 259 three touchdowns uh but not a lot of that in in my three key matchups that kicked off our on our site this morning that went up at 3 a.m that's everybody's new favorite thing is the story's going up before I even wake up, that was one of the things I want to see from him was the deep ball. Now, he ended up with 259 yards, but I can recall at least a couple deep passes off the top of my head, and they were not good. They're not good at all. I mean, I think he ended up with a few passes 
that eventually ended up, you know, long gains, but the actual throws through the air were not very far. They were 10 yards, 12, 12 yards downfield. I don't know how many of them were actually 20 plus yards downfield. And the few that I can remember were not very good. So I don't know how much this game answered any questions about him. I don't think it changed any of my, uh, you know, perspective about him, my my thoughts, my or my not my perspective, my perception of him. Um, and then on green side, I, you know, this was about as good as it could have been for him, I think, at least from mm. like, a, well, not as good. I mean, obviously we heard what Neil Brown said, and I found it very interesting that uh, he kind of made it seem like quite literally he didn't run a single play the way he was supposed to and kind of just improvised. But that almost proves the point even more, maybe, that like, hey, this guy just completely improvised on his own and led three straight easy scoring drives and, you know, almost rushed for 100 yards. So I think it's going to continue. And it, 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 his comments post game, it, it, it doesn't, it drives me crazy in the sense that, don't you remember every podcast last year, Mike, where we talked about there's the Garrett Green package? There's the Garrett Green package. There's this Garrett Green package. We heard about it. We, I, people were telling me it was in the playbook. It was ready to go. The same it people was, who told you he was going to play today, too. Yeah, it was ready to go. And it just never happened. And now, after today's game, after seeing Green run all over the place, everybody's been, uh, not everybody, but, you know, a few handful of people, well, why is anybody pressing, pressing Neil Brown harder on these questions? Mike steps in, pushes on it a little harder, and Neil Brown says what I think a lot of people wanted to hear. He could very well end up being part of this offense moving forward and in in bunches, in packages. Are you ready? Go. Neil Brown also said what people did not want to hear, which is that Garrett Green is not ready. Yeah. He's not starting games in the in the near future here. Um, Daigie gives him a better chance, I think, because Daigie will run the plays that work best. What I found interesting about Brown's comment, I don't think he wanted the question, but I think he did need the answer. And, and it, I think the answer was really good, too. And he wrote about it. I'll write about it more tomorrow. But my question to him was, you know, first, what, did you see enough out of him? And he gave a diplomatic answer to that. And then I, I went back, went back and touched the bag, so to speak, and, and just said, like, did you do this big picture? It's one thing to get your backup and your third string quarterback in a game against an FCS team. But you put him in the first quarter and then. That's unusual. And then you put him back in the game later than maybe people expected. And and he kind of went over about how Green's development has been stunted by his background. He didn't have a traditional upbringing because of he was a baseball player. He didn't do a lot of spring football in Florida. Florida has spring football, um, as do many state, states in the South. Um, you know who has spring football? Will Crowder. And he basically said that Will Crowder is, I, I think, Chris, more advanced at this stage of his career in the quarterback sense. But he did say that Green has athletic gifts. And you see things that work. But he also said that he had a script of plays for when he went in the first two times. And Brown seemed like he was reining himself in by saying that Green just didn't run the plays. Am I wrong there? It seemed like he was just kind of saying, no. like, we gave him things and he he did stuff that looked good, but it wasn't – he didn't have to do that. He, he added a degree of difficulty. You can do that against Long Island University. You cannot do that against the other teams that they're going to play and be successful, I think. He, he's not going to beat the Tech defenders or the Maryland defenders around the corner like he did those confused Long Island defenders. Um, that was one thing. And, and then just the other was that he, I just 
he just basically came out and said that he it, it seemed to me without saying it, he acknowledged that he understands the criticism or the questions raised in the past few days, weeks, I don't know, but that he's doing this because his, his backup quarterback option is not prepared to be who and what that loud crowd wants him to be. That, that was my read of it. No, I think he really did. You're right. He tried to rein it in on post game, but uh, for those that were watching from home, like myself, you were you were in the press box, so you're not getting the uh, ESPN Plus slash Big Twelve Now slash uh, whatever Comcast Plus Now feed like the rest of us. And he told the sideline reporter who reported it back that that you know basically that Neil Brown was upset that that Garrett Green was not running the plays like he was being told to run them on that first drive. I think it, by halftime, right, he'd only done one drive at that time. So it was just those handful of plays, which I think he had 30-some rushes, ran it in for a touchdown. They kind of cruised down the field, and, and Neil Brown was not happy. Um, but I think there's a point to it there of, is that a bad thing that he that, he, that offense can actually look pretty good when it's just crazy, like, you know, when it's just improv like that? But the bigger question for me, and this was something else we talked about in the thread on the message board, is for me, it comes down to kind of this. And maybe this is you. It sounds like you might be taking another stance here on this. So this will be good conversation. Um, What plays that Daigie made today can Garrett Green not make? Of the third and... 19 play where he just checked it down to Winston Wright and let Wright make a play and ended up, I think, like a 25, 27-yard gain. I don't know if Green makes that play. I know Green can shake that blitz like Daigie did. I think Green runs that ball, and it's fourth and eight. It's fourth and 11. I don't think he's going to get 19 yards there. Um, Daigie put the ball in play. Now, can Green make that throw? Physically, yes. Functionally, I don't know. I saw him have opportunities to do that today, and he ran. Now, that's his gift, so I'm not so sure. But if I go to the then. Italian restaurant, I'm not ordering the stroganoff, right? <laughs> I want to get the thing that I know is good, so I want him to run if he does that. But the reality is that that's a play I don't think he can make, and sometimes taking eight or nine yards on with a pass on a third and 19 play, it may look, hmm, that wasn't great. When you have Winston Wright, you let him do something because, again, that's Winston Wright's gift. He can't make the play if you don't give him a chance. Putting the ball in play is important for a quarterback. So I think that's one right there that stands out. Conversely, listen, there's there's plays that Garrett Green made that are not in Jared Diggy's bag, and they're going to have to find a way to reconcile that right now. And I think that's the big thing for me. Like I said, like when you flip it, on that first drive that Garrett, that, that Garrett Green did, I mean, I think you could have counted four plays that Diggy could not do or would not do. Uh, I mean, obviously a couple of the runs that – rolling out pass breaking a would-be sack rolling out to his right and throwing on the run uh right over a defender along the sideline to esdale uh and then even the touchdown run uh, you know keeping the ball i mean i can't even i I don't even know how many how many threads i've deleted on our message board of people just screaming about diggy never keeping the ball on those on those option runs on those read options um, and Green kept it and kind of nonchalantly walked into the end zone. And I think that's what everybody's hoping Daigie would do. And I think he's done it like once in the past year and a half. So Twice. He has two rushing touchdowns. Two rushing touchdowns. So, but that's th- this is my point. I, I think my point is that 
I there are a lot more plays that Green can make that Daigie cannot, than vice versa. And, it, and when it comes down to that, I, I know Neil Brown wants to be in charge of that offense, but give a little to get a little more, you know, here that let let him let Garrett Green cook. I guess is what people were saying on the on the board too. Just <laughs> let it happen and try to rein him in as best you can, but. And it's hard to kind of pass up that dual threat ability. The one play you're talking about is a wow play. It's a 28-yard pass to Esdale on third and long. Um, and he's making the play on the run. He slips out of a sack, and he, and he throws it, and it's perfect. Um, that's that's great. I don't know that I saw enough on the other six passes and three completions to say this is it. You know, he was short on, on an out route to Reese Smith. That is a staple of the offense. How many times have we seen Daigie connect that fast out to sometimes Smith, but, you know, a mesh, an out, something like that is a staple in this offense. And if he's going to have a hard time hitting that, it's not going to work. Now, granted, small sample, I know that, which leads me uh, well to, to two things. The strangest part of the game to me, Chris, was Will Crowder is one snap in between Garrett <laughs> Green snaps. And I have had people whisper in my ear, and it may not be a bad suggestion, that Brown was frustrated by him not maybe running the plays. And it was the first play of the drive. Green keeps it and runs. He's off the field. Crowder goes in, hands it off. They get a first down. Green's back in. I, I had my head down. I didn't see it. I'll have to rewatch it. But I wonder if the cameras catch the head coach having a moment with his quarterback that he just pulled off the field and put the third stringer in. And when Green went back in, I mean, maybe he behaved and played better. That was strange. I don't know if you caught that, if you caught an explanation on the broadcast or whatever, but it was unusual to me. No, I thought it was it. I saw it happen and I thought, wow, they, they really are only going to play Green two drives. And I didn't know how to take that. I, I, I was wondering in my head, I was like, is this just a situation where it's where Green has shown this ability to be a, a part of the offense in this limited time, and now you got to take him out almost like he's a starter because you don't want him to get hurt. Um, and now you're going to get a whole you know, quarter and a half of, of Will Crowder. But, yeah, you're right. He came right back in. They had no explanation on uh, – <laughs> I assure you, Mike, you didn't miss much on the TV. Um broadcast i uh i promise you there was a lot of uh evan stanley kicking mm-hmm. the ball uh jarrett green uh mm-hmm. throwing under uh under center um who else was out there tony mathis was justin johnson justin johnson was tony mathis uh, all sorts of good stuff so i i assure you, you did not miss an explanation for that on the broadcast the other thing that was very curious was listen we're gonna play qb2 third drive and they do. They follow through. And then they play Daigie the rest of the half. I have a theory there I can get into. Um, it's 38 nothing at the half. There is no way short of a forfeit that Long Island's winning this game. And Daigie plays much of the third quarter to the point that when Green does come in, I really think you can't run plays that you might want to see him run for the purpose of evaluation, which is what you and I talked about, and kind of what West Virginia did. Put him in. And let's see if he can run with the ones. Can he play behind the first team offensive line? Because I'm assuming if he's behind the twos, he's going to have to run for his life. But I also wonder if what he did on that one drive with the first team offensive line, running a lot and maybe going off script, if that was maybe an audible that the coaches or maybe Brown himself called and said, okay, it's not what we wanted it to be, or it's not as we're not getting the pictures we wanted, so on and so to speak. Let's give it to Green or let's give it to Daigie. We know that we can get. Good stuff for everybody who, by the way, needs to improve on offense, offensive line, receivers, running backs, so on and so forth. And, and then maybe Daigie just shepherded them to that destination. Um, what did you think about 
the the yo-yo act and how comes down comes up but did not come back down we didn't see green as promptly that second time i was expecting daggy to finish out the half there i thought that was to me it seemed like a um a test run of maybe what they'll do against a better opponent in the future of of bringing in green on the second or third drive again giving him a script of 10 plays and bringing him in for one drive in the, in the second or third one like say maybe Maybe it's uh, at Virginia Tech or at home against Virginia Tech. West Virginia comes out, stalls out on their first two drives, and it's only three nothing, seven nothing. Virginia Tech, they're winning. Third drive, you bring in Green, try to give your offense a spark, see what happens, and, and run those same ten plays or get some new ten plays over the next you know seven days. Obviously, since Tech's going to watch some film on this, but so I was expecting Daggy to come back in and finish out the half. I was stunned when Daggy came back out to start the second half. Um, maybe I'm a pessimist, but it just it screamed to me of, oh, crap, Green looked really good. I don't want my starting quarterback to have his feelings hurt, so now i got to give him a little more run and, and get his stats up more. Like I, it, I'm not trying to go into this conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat, all that stuff, but we know that – Players pay attention to this stuff. Players pay attention to playing time, starting, backups. They hear what fans say. They hear what, uh, you know, talking heads like myself and you say. So we know they are aware of what's being said and what's being discussed. And if it's just that first half and, you know, Daggy's, uh, I can't remember what he had at halftime. Let me look. But if it's what it is, you know, a few le- a few fewer completions and a few more, less yards and a, one less touchdown, but Green gets three extra drives, and he ends up with 150 yards rushing, three touchdowns, and 100 yards passing, and another touchdown. Uh, you know, it's people are going to point to that, and I, it almost seemed to me like Brown was kind of making that move to protect Daigie. Am I being crazy? Oh, Mike's gone silent. I have gone crazy. Sorry, I had to mute on because the silence is uh, impossible <laughs> around here. So I thought I made such a good point, I had made Mike speechless. No, I'm not even going to edit it. I'm going to give the drama to the crowd for that because they're going to wonder what happened there. Was Mike on his back? Wow. <laughs> what a take. Uh, I think you're on to something there. I think that there are probably threads of that and what's the reality. I do think that there is also a possibility of what I alluded to, that maybe it wasn't going to be good for the whole if Green was going to be in there calling his number a lot or maybe not doing what he was supposed to do. Because, sure, those scripted plays are good for him. They're also good for everybody he's playing with. So, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't – Maybe again, maybe they called an audible. I don't know. It's possible. Um, I do think that there's something good about this for Jared Daigie. I think he knows he's on the clock. He may not be as close to zero as – people want it to be, or maybe even you thought when you woke up this morning or in between the second and third series, even, um, but I don't think green, I don't think he made up the gap. I don't think he's even with them. And I don't even think that's a debate. And I would also say that this also is an adversity moment for him. And he has not been the best in tight spots. You know, we saw him really struggle and knock it out of it last week. We saw him struggle and not get out of it against army. It's happened before when, when you put the quarterback on the bench and make him watch his understudy, and Gary Green does stuff that he can't do. And the crowd goes, ooh, this looks good. It's human nature for him to know what's up. You put that guy back in there and make him respond, 
you see what he's made of. And I think that was important. And I don't know that he was great on that next drive. I knew they scored a touchdown. They converted a third down. Um, he took a sack that wasn't his fault. Um, poor Jaquay Hubbard got steamrolled. And Daigie, I mean, it was on, the guy was on him before he knew what to do with it. But he throws a touchdown pass in the next play. And then at the end of the half, they get the ball inexplicably, Chris, <laughs> with 42 <laughs> seconds left because the LIU coach calls a timeout with the play clock on his side. West Virginia has no timeouts. 42 seconds left. Let the play clock run. Kick it. West Virginia never gets the ball back. Instead, he calls timeout. We see the worst field goal um, in the history of Mountaineer Field. The hey, poor well, holder I, had a bad day. <laughs> I was going to say, by the way, uh, it was the holder's fault. Yeah. Um, we got to, Okay, I was going to say, I didn't know if you got to see the replay up there in the press box, but the holder just dropped the ball, and the kicker tried to kick it while it was, like, laying on the ground spinning. Well, Neil Brown said he was very happy with the block field goal, and that says a lot about a team, which is, <laughs> yeah. I'm not joking. It's what he said. It says block field goal say a lot about a team. I don't think he can give his team that credit there. Anyways, no. you put Daigie out in the field and say, listen, hey, here you go. You're, you're still in. We need points. Go get it. And he does, and he not only does it, but he makes a heady play. He runs for the yardage. He gets down. He could have run a little bit longer, I think, on that play, but he knew he didn't have a lot of time. He saw the first down marker. He got down. He knew what the time was. Whatever. It's a good play. So that's one thing, I think, is that you you put him in the crucible there, and I think he acquitted himself there. That's two drives, ten points. That's the best he can do in that situation. I don't understand the start of the third quarter. I don't get that. That's bizarre to me, but oh well. Again, that might have been a green thing. But you can also right now look at a situation where people are going to perhaps be calling for green or for more of green, but you can pretty much look at the stat sheet now and say, well, why would I change quarterbacks or why would I see the floor to Garrett green? When I started when 14 to 22 for 259 yards and three touchdowns, he got us scores on seven drives. He was only on the field for seven drives. <laughs> like I can see that being a logic. Um, I, I think it may stand up too, because you can't argue with that right there. You're not seeing a change. I don't think you're going to see an increase in playing time. I'd frankly be surprised if you saw green against Virginia tech. I'd be impressed, but I'd be surprised. But uh, I, I think that, what do you say, Chris, uh, if you hear the hoof beats, sometimes it's horses, it's not zebras. Yeah. Thank, thank horses, not zebras. Um, <clears throat> well, we got a whole, we got a whole week for quarterback hot takes, especially because it, Neil Brown, not only answered your question, but you had another question about Garrett green. And he told you, he specifically said the words, ask me again on Tuesday, Mike. <laughs> Just an invitation, like, okay, say no more. Will do. He means um, at breakfast for the fan club meeting. <laughs> Not the press so, conference. So we'll have plenty of time for that. Um, something else I noticed, uh, one thing real quick, or two things real quick before the, the other major thing I want to talk about for just a couple minutes. Um, Winston Wright, good. Akeem Mesador, good. Um, again you don't know how much you can tell from these games but Winston Wright just looks explosive that that kickoff return Neil Brown nailed it on the head it was exquisitely blocked I mean as soon as he caught the ball you're like oh that's a touchdown (laughs) like it was so wide open um but he just moves when he caught that pass on the sideline the one you referenced earlier about Daigie checking down on was it third and 18 you said Mm -hmm. third and 19 he caught it and that was it it was a one-on-one and he won his one-on-one and got on field and made a play, got a first down when WVU had no business getting one. So he looks great. Akeem Mesador, just an endless motor. I think at one point I tweeted with like two minutes left in the first half that he had 15 hurries on the quarterback, but no sacks. And a couple plays later, got a sack. Yeah. He, he, he just looks like he's relentless right now, which is great. Um, the other big thing 
Can I, can I put positives in? I think you're going to go negative. Can I put positives in? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time we saw Sean Ryan in camp, mm. he had a good day. I thought he was good last week. He was good today. Uh, he has a gear that I did not see from him before, which is good. He's healthy. He's confident. Um, he's, he's running away from guys, and he was owed a touchdown today. And Dig Eaton said, I blew that one. That was a – I forget what it was. It was on the drive right after the green touchdown. And that was a groaner because it should have been a home run play, and he whiffed. But stay together, got a touchdown. But Ryan pulled away on that one. And then that little screen pass, that was a eye-opening play for him. And then Sam James, again, might be back toward what he was. He's talked about it. He's also being about it now, too. Two touchdowns today, as many as he had in 2019 and 2020. Uh, I think they have some players at receiver now that you can probably start to believe in a little bit. And maybe Caden Prather has earned that opportunity to join that group, too. You ready for the big negative? I'm pretty sure I know we're going, so let's saddle up. Let's just go get right to it. The offensive line, ah. run blocking. Yeah. Um, take out Garrett Green's 98 yards rushing. <clears throat> which, to be fair to the offensive line, I don't think we can take out all of them because some of them were designed runs, but a lot of them were scrambling. Some of them were him scrambling for his life as he was being, uh, you know, being chased by defenders. You take out those 98 yards rushing from Garrett Green, 41 carries, 100 yards, 2.4 yards average against what will easily, easily be the worst run defense West Virginia will face all year, and maybe the worst run defense West Virginia will face in a handful of years, a decade even. Am I taking their, it too far? Their or? defensive line was whipping West Virginia's offensive line early. And do you, I, I, depending on if these numbers are accurate, I, I pulled these off of what the official box score says were the four starters on the defensive line. Uh, it looked like kind of three, almost like West Virginia. It's three defensive lines and kind of like a bandit slash Jack or whatever we're calling it. Mm-hmm. And the official LIU roster. Average weight of those four down linemen, 242 pounds. Yeah. They're playing, a defensive, <laughs> like, end. They're playing a defensive end who's 212 and was making plays all over the place. Is that Waiboga? Yeah. <laughs> Who, uh, a converted safety? Like yeah. he played safety and wide receiver at Morgantown High. Like and he was being recruited as a safety, and now he's a defensive end that weighs 212 pounds. I don't like this. Um, second game in a row, they said that they were kind of caught off guard by what the defensive on the other team did. They got, like Maryland played the heavy eyes and everything. They put the nose right over the center. They played a big four eye in, in the B gap, and that caught them off guard. They never adjusted. LIU horrendous on the run defense last week. Averaged 10 yards a run on 30 carries, so it's not like it was a couple of carries, right? Um, they played a bunch of twisting and stunting inside. They played some games up front, and West Virginia said that was not prepared for that. They hadn't seen them in film, and it took an effect. That's not good two days in a row. Um, I wonder what the Hokies will draw up, but I would also be pretty confident being able to sit down and just man up against West Virginia's offensive line and beat them without having to do anything exotic because um, that, that's that's not a very – there's not a lot of push and punch from that group right now. And the thing that stands out to me, Letty Brown, 15 carries, 31 yards, and they had a hard time running like inside the five. And I don't think you want to pass inside the five a whole lot, too. Like you can't throw fades at Bryce Ford Wheaton if he's not going to jump up and win a contested catch against an FCS corner. You can't have, you know, you're, you just can't have your first team all conference running back poking around trying to find holes if you can't give him a push in a lane, especially in close quarters like that. And it's extremely concerning because it wasn't good the last game against a, a, I think is a stout defense. I'm not sure how good Maryland's defense will be ultimately, but stout like physically, and they were good and they did the job that day. And then today, 
I mean, West Virginia got healthy with, with some backups that got in there. Green's running, obviously, skews the numbers. But if you look at what Letty Brown did and what that first team offensive line did, it wasn't very good. And they tried some things, too. Like, they put Wyatt Milam in. They put Jordan White in at different times. They took Mitter out. They took Moore out. I'm not sure that they have a solution right now. Their, their interior is, is having trouble holding up. And that's problematic because I don't think they feel great about their tackles. It's not a very physical group. And that better hurry up and improve. Yeah, because that, that Virginia Tech defensive line looked pretty darn good against UNC in week one. I haven't watched anything on Tennessee. Uh, or middle, They played Middle Tennessee, right, this week? Yeah. So um, that was a, I remember that was a close game, and I was going to go watch it, but obviously West Virginia started. So they got to get that figured out because you're right. that A lot of that push coming from uh, LIU was in the middle, which yeah. is the last place. You know, I, I would get it if uh, – converted safety that weighed 212 pounds was kind of speed rushing around the edge and and causing issues in the backfield against some inexperienced tackles but they were getting pressure up the middle against three basically returning starting linemen i mean i know you know fraser obviously started all last year nestor started for virginia tech last year committer started a couple games and was supposed to be the starter before his his bout with covid so those are the three most experienced linemen on this team. And they are, I believe, all 300-plus. Frazier might be 290. And they're going against, you know, interior linemen that are 260, 270, 280, and just getting pushed back. And, and again, we said this was a spot to watch because FIU was one of the worst run offenses in the country last year and then averaged over 10 yards a carry against LIU. I, I thought Letty Brown would have 100 yards by halfway through the second quarter and be done for the day. Um, he got his touchdowns, but that offensive line gave him no room to do anything. And don't forget, uh, Maryland was one of the worst rush defenses in the country last year, too. Overhaul, yep. I understand that, but still the personnel was the personnel. Uh, today, Middle Tennessee State, 36 carries, 66 yards, 35-14 to 14 loss. Uh, close game. It was 14-7 to seven at halftime, so it's not like the game got away from Middle Tennessee State and they couldn't rush the ball. Uh, they threw 40 passes. They ran, like I said, 36 times. But, again, a, a close enough game. They kind of popped it open in the third quarter. I think they had 14 unanswered points. Um, I don't know. And then I think uh, uh, 16 carries, 106 yards for the running backs at North Carolina. Quarterback Sam Howell, 13 carries, 35 yards. So um, they've done pretty good work so far. This will be a big test for West Virginia, things that uh, they're going to have to, like I said, fix sooner or later. Well, we'll put up a, a thread for some questions uh, probably tomorrow morning, we'll take those, record a new podcast on Monday, follow up Neil Brown Tuesday, go through our usual weekly schedule, and get ready for Virginia Tech in week three. Um, tonight, Mike, we got to get off here so we can focus on on some very important beach house wagers going on. Uh, we're in line for uh, a sweat here at the end, so we got to get off here and go watch those games and, and get our stories ready for tomorrow while we do. Utah minus seven. Good night. Until then, I'm Mike Asaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.